Ten years ago, and one week, we gathered here on the Easter of 2000 and whatever it was. I know I'll get the wrong one if I try. I know I'll get the wrong one. We gathered here and we had the BBC cameras with us. We had various interviews. I think Sharon, I think Sharon was interviewed as she came into the building and said nice things. And here we are ten years later, a journey of ten years of proving the faithfulness of God. We are here because God is faithful. And the message of Easter is one of hope. It's a message of faithfulness. And as we've journeyed down those ten years, we've seen God do amazing things among us. Not just within the church community, but within the business. Because our, our model was to use this building for business five days a week, which would then provide us with finance for the ministry. And we were advised that at the beginning of the, uh, the journey, it was not a good time to open a conference center because we were either just in the middle or just come out of recession. But recession was on people's minds and we were advised not to go that way. Well, here we are ten years later and we've had something like 160 to 170,000 delegates through the doors of this building over those ten years. And so you wonder, you know, when you look at some of the doors, when you look at some of the woodwork, what, you think, it's, it's looking a little bit worn. Well, that's because you've had 170,000 delegates pushing on the doors, and that's without the rest of us every Sunday. So if you were to include the footfall from church and business, you're talking about well over 30,000 uh, 30, a year, 300,000 people in and out of this building over the last 10 years. Don't open a conference center in the middle of recession. Why did we? Because God had spoken. God had spoken. And we had some good staff. Now many of them we've just seen come and go. But here we have Leslie who isn't expecting to be embarrassed. Hello Tracy as well. And the rest haven't turned up this morning. But never mind, that's another story. I think the latest edition Paddy's upstairs with the kids. But when God speaks, that's what we act upon. We do not act upon the uncertainties of the society in which we live. We do not act upon the fact that we were in the middle of recession. And what God did in that situation was to take the recession and turn it and use it for our advantage. Because we could offer a really good service to people at a really good price. And so they came back. And in the first five years, we spent £120 on advertising. That's it. And then in the next year, we spent 500 but I always pay for that because Leslie never fails to remind me it was you who wanted to do that. But it was through word of mouth because God had told us, He gave us the means, and do you know what we hear time and time again? People will come in and they will say, this place feels different. Isn't that true? 
That's exactly what they say. They have no idea why. But we believe because God is at work. There's a sense of peace in this place because this is where the people of God meet to celebrate his life and his goodness. God is faithful. And so as we meet here, we press on and we want to buy the unit across the road because we believe God has far more for us than we have so far received. And we're at a critical stage, so I would ask you to pray this week that everything comes together because we are at that. I'm not going to go into the details, they are very boring. But I believe there's one document we need. So just pray for that one document. And let's see what God wants to do in the next ten years. It'll be a ten years of, once again, proving His faithfulness. Isn't it great to be in that place where you just know God is working with you on your behalf as we move in obedience to Him. And here we are, ten years and one week later. We don't have the uh, BBC cameras. But God is with us. And that's what makes the difference. God is with us. Someone said, what is the theme of your sermon on Easter Sunday? Hmm. (laughs) That's true. Somebody said, what are you going to preach on? I thought, how about let's preach on the resurrection? Tell you. I want you to know I get paid for this. Incredible, incredible revelation. And so, where I want to begin is in Genesis, and where I want to end is in Revelation. (laughs) It could. Well, I was thinking, as we were singing that last song, you know, for endless days I will sing your praise. It doesn't say for endless days I'm going to listen to a sermon. It just says, for endless days, I will sing your praise. But when we come to Genesis chapter 1, what we see is here the God that we worship, the God who revealed himself in Jesus, is the God who speaks into nothing and creates something. Isn't that fantastic? You know, when you consider four words, let there be light, uttered from the mouth of God, call everything we have into being. Four words. Don't you just wish you had that power that in four words you could get something to happen with your kids? Wives, don't you just wish that four words would cause your husband to do some of the jobs on the list? But four words from God make all the difference between darkness and light and set the scene for everything else that has happened through human history. God declares, let there be light, and there was light. Because when God declares something, He calls it into being. And it says, He saw, this light is good. And right there at the very beginning of the Bible, which we'll also find at the end of the Bible, just hold on there now, You will be home for tea. God is revealed as the one who speaks. And as he speaks, something happens. 
But when we read this first few, these first few verses of Genesis, one of the things that really strikes me is when God says, let there be light, it's not talking about the sun and the moon. Oh, I, just, I just find that absolutely incredible. So he calls into being, or he reveals a source of light that had hitherto not been revealed, and it's within that light that the first four days of creation take place, and then the sun, the moon, and all the stars are set in their place. However God did it, he did it. I don't care whether you're an astrophysicist or not. If you go back... If you go back further and further and further, God did it. Because you know there are just huge areas that scientists can't explain. Isn't that right, Chris? (laughs) Yes, she says. So when we read Genesis, and we see this revelation of light upon the earth, what's that light? It's not the sun. And there are those who would suggest that it's a revelation of the very glory of heaven being revealed into the cosmos, being called into being. And I think that is a fantastic thought, that God's glory itself is the source of that first light that breaks forth into the darkness. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and God says... Let my glory shine forth. That's fantastic. Because you know the God who declared that his glory shine forth, the God who said let there be light, has never stopped shining light into dark places. As we read through the scriptures, we see time and time again that God just specializes in taking dark situations and blazing his light into them to bring change for the better. And we are here as testimony today that the God who spoke light into the universe is the one who calls us together because this is what he loves to do, is to bring light into very, very dark situations. At Christmas, I'm not sure whether it was Richard or whether it was Taiwo, but at, at Christmas... One of them spent some time dwelling on the, the light that shone on that hillside for the shepherds. As the shepherds were out there on the hillside, keeping watch over their flocks by night, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And it says this, And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And here, as they're in the darkness of the night, the glory of God is revealed to them and causes a reaction. And we were reminded that the first reaction was one of sheer terror. <laughs> and then they go, and they go to visit the babe. But God breaks into this situation, and you just consider what a wonderful way to proclaim the light of the world coming into the world, that Jesus is the light of the world coming into the world. What an incredible way to do it, by lighting up that hillside with the glory of heaven. Fantastic. 
So the one who said, let there be light, is the one who comes into the darkness of that night. And he said, I am going to give you a revelation of my plans and purposes. I am going to light up this hillside with the glory of heaven. Now go and see what I have done. And we walk as people who understand that God will break in. And we need to be those people like the shepherds who go and see what God has done. The light of the world was born in human form. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He is the glory of the Father. And we get, we get a little picture of the pre-existing glory of Jesus in the story of the transfiguration in Matthew 17, 1-3. As they go up a hillside... And the disciples, just a handful of them, get this incredible experience. It says, Jesus was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. And here, it's heaven breaking through onto that hillside. And the light of heaven is illuminating that hillside with the glory of heaven. And Jesus is shining there in his pre-existing state, just giving those disciples a little glimpse of the glory of heaven. The God who said, let there be light, broke into that hillside and the glory of the Lord shone around. You know, we so often just take these things as, so, you know, we get so used to them, they sort of come around every year with, with Christmas. But imagine in that situation having that incredible revelation of the glory of The glory of heaven revealed at Christmas. The glory of heaven revealed at the transfiguration. Jesus, the light of the world. And then when we come to Easter itself. And we have many, many memories of Easter. One I've just recounted about the BBC. But many of us here can perhaps... Remember, incredible Easter's we've shared. Those of you from other nations perhaps can tell stories of how people will flock to churches on Easter to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. It was that pivotal moment in history. And when we read of the resurrection in Matthew 28 says there was a violent earthquake an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the the stone and sat on it and I love love that just picture of the angel sitting on the and it's almost like well I've done my work (laughs) I've finished I'm sent as a messenger all I've got to do is roll back the stone but what does it say his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. This is heaven breaking in to the darkness of the grave. You see, the one who said, let there be light, has never stopped declaring light into dark situations. 
And so the angel comes and he's reflecting this glory of heaven as he sits there and says, my work is finished. But you see, he doesn't have any, com- he doesn't have any control over how he's glowing. <laughs> you know, he's all sitting there, well, oh, right. I'm shining brightly in this dark place now. But he's there and it is this revelation of the glory of heaven and says, the gods were so afraid. It's a bit like the shepherds on the hillside. Their first reaction is one of fear. Why is that? Because the glory of heaven is awesome. You know, if we're praying for a revelation of the glory of heaven, be careful. <laughs> because your first reaction may not be what you expect it to be. It says, the gods were so afraid that they shook and became like dead men. So they're bowled over by this glory of heaven being revealed. And the first thing the angel says to the women is, don't be afraid. So God will speak into our fear. Don't be afraid because Jesus you were looking for is not here. He has risen just as he said. And I do love that. Because it's almost as if, can you imagine, it's the sort of way that could be said. Jesus is risen, just as he said he would. (laughs) At least that's probably the way I would say it. In other words, are you so thick you do not understand? Now, thick is a theological term. Often found in the scriptures. I'll just leave you to find it. That's your homework for the next week. But, you know, one of these things, one of the things that this Bible... this story tells us is that God understands. God understands. You know, these people had walked with Jesus physically for three years and they struggled. Do you ever struggle with what God said to you? Do you ever struggle when you read through the scriptures and think, oh, you know, God is infinitely patient. And as he said to the women, through the angel, don't be afraid. He is not here. He has risen just as he said I believe there's the heart of God revealed for each and every one of us. And as we pray, we just need to pray to have our ears opened, the eyes of our heart opened, that we might see what God is wanting to do and allow the peace of God to reign and rule in our hearts. It was dark when they set out. When you read the Gospels and you harmonize them, you find it was dark when they set out. And of course, sunrise takes place very, very quickly. They don't have a long dawn or twilight as we do. Daylight when they get there. But they know the greatest darkness was not what was going on around them, but the greatest darkness was in their hearts. Because it was the darkness of despair. You see, these women did not go along to the tomb expecting to find a risen Savior. They went to the tomb in order to visit and prepare a dead body, to attend to a dead body. And so it's into that place of despair, it's into that place of inner darkness that the angel, this glorious revelation of heaven, breaks into the situation and gives those women hope. God will break into the despair that we face and give us hope as we look to him. That is why we can celebrate today. That is because in the death, 
There is the resurrection of Jesus signaling hope to each and every one of us. No matter what our circumstances, no matter how dark situations seem to be, no matter how near the end of your tether you think you've got, God will come in and with the light of heaven bring illumination and give you courage and give you strength and give you purpose within that to press on through. Because he speaks to each and every one of us that in the darkness of your situation, in the darkness of your circumstance, Jesus is risen and is overcoming with you in your walk with him. Now the disciples got the message eventually, but one of the things we need to realize is that having got the message did not lead to an easy life. Rats! Wouldn't you just like it to be different? It didn't lead to an easy life, but Jesus was with them. Jesus is with you as you call upon Him, whatever your circumstances. If you are a, a student here and you are looking forward to exams... How many have we got? How many have got exams in the next couple of months? It's a bit worrying when some don't seem to know. <laughs> I see those hands. You know, you get the question, how many have got exams? Oh, well, I'm not sure if I have one or not. You know, in the midst of exams, Jesus is with you. And I honestly believe that the best way to start an exam is just to take a couple of minutes to Jesus help me. I really do believe that. Because everybody else is there frantically. Take two minutes. And the people overseeing the exam will panic. Because they think, you've lost it. Take two minutes at the beginning. Say, Jesus, give me your peace. And be with me in this situation. And so back to the story. He says... He is not here, He is risen. Now we need to be those people who are very clear about what we believe regarding the resurrection. It's foundational. We do not simply believe in a resurrection of faith. Faith is the result of the resurrection. When I was at college many years ago, and when Queen Victoria was but a lad, I was there, there in college, and we had an ordained minister of one of the churches, I won't tell you which one, but my background is Methodism, and we had a lot in common. Um, he believed that the, the Easter story was simply about a resurrection of faith. Well, we had lots of interesting discussions. I am not interested in an Easter message that is about a resurrection of faith I am interested in an Easter message and my faith is based upon historical fact of the physical, bodily resurrection of Jesus. I am absolutely convinced that the Jesus in whom we believe walked free of the tomb and appeared to many, many of his followers. This is so much more than the resurrection of faith. Faith follows the resurrection. We believe that Jesus is alive because he came out of the tomb. You know, the angel didn't sit there saying, Don't be afraid. I have some happy thoughts for you. Don't be afraid because you'll feel better in the morning. He said, Do not be afraid because the one you're looking for here isn't here. He has 
risen. And one, one portion of scripture which was not stolen by others earlier in this service is 1 Corinthians 15. It says, now brothers, Paul writing to the Corinthians. Now brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. For what I received I pass on as first importance. That Jesus died according to our sins. He was buried. We believe that he was buried. A dead body was buried. And on the third day was raised according to the scriptures. And this verse, which, this passage which says, according to the scriptures, is basically saying what the angel said, he told you. That's what it's saying. He told you, according to the scriptures, he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then he appeared to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. This is an incredible appearance to this massive crowd gathered together. Jesus appears to them, and I love this realistic touch, and it says, most of whom are still living. Now, some of them had died, but most of that 500 were still... And what he's saying is, there are up to 500 witnesses to the physical, bodily resurrection of Jesus. The Jesus who came out of the tomb, appeared to these people, they saw it, their lives were changed, and they could tell others the good news. This is the Jesus in whom we believe. Have you ever wondered why you see things differently to the non-Christian? Have you ever wondered why something that is so obvious to you in the spiritual realm is just not seen by the non-Christian? Have you ever wondered why you're telling someone about the incredible provision of the living Jesus in your life, it's met with a completely blank face. You ever had that sort of situation? Well, here is the answer. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. The God who said, Let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts. Why do you see things in a completely and utterly different way to the non-Christian living next door? Because the light of heaven has shone and illuminated your heart. Simple. That's why we shouldn't be frustrated when people don't see what we see our correct response would be to be one of prayer. And pray to the God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, shine into the hearts and lives of other men and women. But sometimes we take on a responsibility and a frustration that God never intended us to have. You cannot convert anyone. They need to have that revelation of the light of heaven shining into their hearts. We have been called to be 
witnesses. That's all he's calling us to do. To witness to what we know of the revelation of the light of heaven in our lives and the rest is up to him. And so, you know, when we, when we look at Christmas, Jesus has become invisible to the world at Christmas because they see Santa. It's almost that Jesus become invisible to them. Where for us, he's visible right there in the center of the story. It's called Christ, Christ Mass. The clue is in the name. And of course, people want to get rid of the Christmas. They want a winter festival. And that is the ultimate getting rid of Jesus. That is the ultimate making Jesus invisible. But you know, as long as there are people walking this earth who follow Jesus, they'll never, ever overcome. Because we, we meet as a light to the nations, saying, no, Jesus is very visible. And we need to pray that people have that revelation. And when we come to Easter, so it's, it's Santa at Christmas, and of course at Easter, it is the Easter bunny. And if you want any more proof of this, just watch the vicar of Dibley. It's got to be on there somewhere over, over this uh, season. Where the Easter bunny becomes more important than Jesus. We stand against all of that. We stand and declare our trust and our faith in the one who walked free of the darkness of the tomb. The one who comes as the true light of the world to reveal the glory of heaven to each and every person who will call upon his name. Do you know you've had a glimpse of heaven as you see Jesus? Just a glimpse. I think God doesn't, doesn't give us more because we probably couldn't cope with it. If there was a full revelation of the glory of heaven, I think we would... Probably wouldn't be here, actually. <laughs> God reveals what we can cope with. And so, this Easter, let us be firm in our conviction as we trust in the one who was crucified, who was buried, who was raised again, to newness of life in order that we might enjoy a relationship with him not religion God save us from religion but God help us in relationship with Jesus and so as we come to the end I'll ask the band if they will come up the God who said, let there be light, brought the light of heaven, broke into that tomb, that the light of the world might walk forth. And as we look to the very last book in the Bible, what we see here is the God who brings light into darkness is still there, still shining. And this is what the Scripture says, Revelation 22. 
And I believe this is here as a promise for every one of us as we follow Jesus today and we look to the tomorrow. This is the promise. John writing says, The angel showed me the river of the water of life. As clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing twelve crops of fruit yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and His servants will serve Him. And what does it say of these servants? They will see His face and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever. One particular version says, for the Lord Himself will be their light. The one who said, let there be light right there at the beginning of Genesis is the one who will, in whose divine light we will dwell forever. And in the meantime, we're here, walking with the light of the world. Can we stand together? Now this will be a wonderful cue for the song, Light of the World, You Step Down in the Darkness. But I'm not keen on that, so we're going to sing, we're going to sing, what was it? Yeah. See what a morning. Now, we, we sang this earlier, but I just think it's such a glorious Easter song because it does take us on a journey. And as we sing this, give yourself afresh to the journey. Give yourself afresh to walk in that light of the gospel with the light of the world.